Hello? Hi, I'll be right down. Pausing. Hey everyone, welcome to the Collective Creamery podcast, where we're crafting the conversation around American artisan cheese. I'm Alex Jones. I'm Steph Angstad. And I'm Sue Miller. And today we're going to share with you a really uh, interesting interview with a cheesemaker who has a really fascinating backstory, Matt Spiegler of Churchtown Dairy. He went from this uh, cheese blogging Brooklynite to making cheeses at home to working at some of the best creameries in the country. And now he is running the show at Churchtown Dairy in their cheese room, making some really, really special cheeses. But first, um, we want to talk about a couple exciting things that are going on with us this fall. We have our fall winter cheese subscription open just opened, you can log on to our website, collectivecreamery.com, and sign up for one of our cheese shares. That gives you an alt-weekly or monthly batch of our guest cheeses that we've sourced from all of our friends and cheesemakers we admire around the Eastern Seaboard. Amazing cheeses, including some really ex- uh, special experimental batches and collaborations between Steph and Sue, delivered every two weeks or every month to your door uh, if you're outside of Southeast PA or to a bunch of pickup sites in the Philly region. We even have Forest and Main Brewing Company, an amazing brewery in Bucks County that's going to be a pickup site for us. We've been trying to get there for a long time. I have to say Collective Creamery for me as a cheesemaker has been a new inspiration for experimentation. So thank you to all of you for the seasons past who are craving more adventurous styles and bold flavors and aromas because as small-scale cheesemakers like we are, that's just absolute fuel for our fire. Thank you. Pasture-based, small-scale, traditional, handmade, amazing and delicious artisan cheeses that you can't find almost anywhere delivered to you. The fall winter share runs through April. It starts in mid-October. So go to collectivecreamery.com and check us out. One other thing we want to mention is that uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we so appreciate uh, that you want to listen to us. And, you know, we hope that you're enjoying our chats and our interviews. If you do like what you hear, please uh, rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're using. It really helps other cheese fans find us uh, and we love to get your feedback. So please rate and review us. Now, we had a really magical weekend in the Hudson Valley this winter. We pull up to this beautiful round barn and this farm, which is a, how many acres is it now, Sue? Remind me. 250. 250 acre biodynamic farm that's a Rockefeller property, absolutely gorgeous in the Hudson River Valley. And um, we, we're going to, you know, <laughs> we've got our recording equipment and we're going to visit our friend Matt, who we can't wait to interview. And sure enough, he greets us in their beautiful, you know, lobby with a wood stove burning. We walk upstairs to what seems like a closet. And what does he do but open the door to this his beautiful wooden post and beam round barn, which, 
you, know, you can hardly find anymore in this country. I mean, they'd be, mostly be in New England, wouldn't they? I guess there's a couple in the Midwest. Yes. But. And what do we do but walk to the edge of it? There are hay bales all around. We're entering the barn on the second story of it. And as we walked the ledge to look into the cutout, into the center of the barn, what do we look down on but grassy hay and beautiful cows? So pretty. All those brown Swiss cows. The brown Swiss cows, they were so at peace. And I we I think we were all enchanted when we arrived there. They remind me of giant teddy bears. <laughs> and then we got to go downstairs. Remember, we went downstairs and all the calves came over. To oh my see God, us such and a they love were fest. Loving on us. I loved it. Oh. It was beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, there's so much about the shape of that round barn and how the animals move in there. And, and Matt's going to talk about that during um, this great little interview. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing where he's landed, isn't it? Yeah. Would, would you have a little bit more of a history about Matt? Well, Matt actually grew up in Philmont, which is like right around the corner from Churchtown Dairy. But when I first met him, he was um, blogging about cheese. If you follow the blog, cheese blog scene, he's under cheese notes. And I first met up with him at Italy, even though I had been reading his blog for uh, many months or years. And um you know, it was just really great to know that he had started this passion of eating cheese while he's having his career in computers and he started home cheese making. There was a whole group of folks in Brooklyn doing that. And I kind of think he was leading the charge. And, you know, he got to the point where he was like, it's a do or die moment. Like, what do I want to be? You know, what do I how do I want to see my life unfold? You know, I'm kind of putting words out here, but <laughs> I, in my mind, that's what was going on because Matt's pretty soft spoken. And, um, you know, I'm just thinking he made this this definitive decision to to head to Vermont and he took a cheese making gig up at Jasper Hill, which, you know, is an amazing place where they're creating beautiful cheeses up there in the Northeast Kingdom and um, spent time honing his craft and then this opportunity at churchtown presented itself I, I think a friend of his referred him to this job and practically in his hometown yeah practically in his home I, I think he's actually living in the house he grew up in it's amazing <laughs> yeah, you know? it's full circle just like that beautiful round barn right um and the cheeses we got a tasting we're going to be sourcing some for the fall share. Peggy. So excited. There's a beautiful story behind the name of that cheese, and it's beautiful cheese. Some really, really, really nice cheese. A luscious uh, camembert style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and I, I think it's so true about, you know, the, his journey being so – he is soft-spoken. That's a really nice way to describe him because he his actions kind of speak louder than his words. And the fact that he, somebody would take the time to – write this thorough, um, really passionate blog about small-scale cheesemakers that he admires really shows the kind of person that he is. He's It's pure passion. Like, he's not trying to understand how he, he can make a living or how he can monetize his love for cheese. He just wants to celebrate it and share it with people. And I thought that was really touching. Yeah, and clearly this, like, thread of fermentation runs through his life because we met up with him a little bit later. Where did for we go for beer at Suarez Family Brewing? If you have a chance to get into there and have some of their beers, but 
we had a lot of the Churchtown cheeses and Suarez beers, and we really just had a great time getting to know Matt better, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. It was really fun. So uh, without further ado, this is our interview with Matt Spiegler, cheesemaker at Churchtown Dairy. Today we are at Churchtown Dairy and this is really exciting because if any of you out there have been following uh, the blog or the Instagram feed Cheese Notes, you may be familiar with uh, my friend Matt Spiegler. Matt Spiegler is from this area where Churchtown Dairy is. It's a new upstart. It is one of the most beautiful facilities I've ever walked into and I'm just super excited that you're here making cheese in your hometown by way of um, a really interesting path. So let's get started talking to you about the program here. So Matt, um, tell us a little bit about how your cheese making journey began. Um, well, I started as a cheese writer and blogger probably about eight years ago now with um, Cheese Notes. All right, I mean, this is a little, in I'm mm, going to interrupt right away. Yep. What is your memory of the very first post you did? What the cheese was it? The very first post. Uh, one of the first posts I did was, it was actually from France. Um, it was, there's a restaurant in Strasbourg, France called the Cloche du Fromage. And I did a post from there about the cheese plate that I had there, which is this kind of crazy cheese plate. Um, that was the first time I ever had a cheese ice cream as well. They had that there. So... Because um, I was visiting family there. My mom's family is from Alsace, France. So, and that was sort of when I first decided I really wanted to like take the plunge into cheese blogging. And originally it was intended more as just a way to document my journey through cheese and just kind of, it was a way to sort of keep me motivated just kind of, you know, by writing about it, it would just kind of keep me exploring. So That's great. That's yeah. pivotal. Were you introduced to cheese at a young age then for uh, your mother? I was, yeah, definitely. I mean, when I, we would visit family in France, we would often go up into the, like go hiking in the mountains. And when you get to the top of the mountain, there'd be a ferme auberge where they would serve cheese and wine and everything. So Munster, like uh, Munster d'Alsace. Munster d'Alsace is one of my earliest cheese memories. So of a stinky cheese. Go big. So, yep, go big. <laughs> go big. Mm. It's, in your, it's in your blood. I guess it's so. It's in your genetic yeah. makeup. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Tell us but, more. Um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I just uh, I started uh, writing the blog, and I did uh, that first year. I did a 365 cheese challenge, where I basically challenged myself to eat 365 different cheeses that year. Every um, one cheese was wow. it a cheese out, a day? Cheese yeah. a day, and mm -hmm. did you accomplish that? I did. I ended up uh, eating about 420 that year. Wow. So, so were you living? Where were you living in New York? At then? that point, I was living in Brooklyn. Oh. Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah. So, what was your cheese shop of choice? Ooh. Or multiples, I guess. Uh oh, uh, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I know. At that point. <laughs> At that point, uh, I mean, Saxelby's was one of my top cheeses. That was kind of before the cheese shop explosion in New York. So um, Saxelby's, Murray's, of course. Um, uh, I don't think Bedford was open at that point. Okay. They came a couple of years later. Two reliables. Yeah, no yeah. Italy on the scene No yet. Italy on the scene no. yet. Nope. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. That's 400 cheeses in one year. Yep. Mm -hmm. And did you document each of those cheeses? And I documented. I didn't 
post about every single but one, but I did document every single one oh, that I, I ate. I think you have so. a book in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you, like, could you call up any memory of them or did they start to run together? Uh, they started to run together at some point. It's a lot of cheese. And you sort of, when you're trying to eat that many different cheeses, you kind of become a little desperate and you're just like, you know, hitting every cheese shop and seeing like, just trying to find that one cheese that you haven't eaten. So. Was there a one cheese during that year, I mean, this is a really hard question mm -hmm. and you may not be able to answer it, right. that just captivated you and you just couldn't stop thinking about it. Was there any one stop? Maybe it's a style. Mm. I don't know. I think that was like sort of trying to get through. Yeah. It? That was kind of when I discovered, you know, really the, um, like funkier, more interesting Alpine cheeses, mm. honestly, that's probably, you know, like a like sort of you know holler hawker or cheeses like that you know yeah so. i know the first time i had etivas i was just like all right i want to go there mm -hmm. i want to eat this yep. cheese where it's made mm -hmm. i want to be roll around in it mm. also all <laughs> the different styles of robiola was something i discovered mm -hmm. that year you know that was sort of right. an, an area of cheese that i had no familiarity with so right that's cool you yep. must mm -hmm. be almost like have a encyclopedic knowledge mm -hmm. of these different styles of cheese mm, well mm -hmm. yeah, i know yeah. i can say that <laughs> <laughs> so how did you go from writing about cheese to making um, cheese so well i got uh, i started making cheese at home so i became quote unquote urban cheese maker um and, you know, so I was making cheese at home a lot. I was writing about cheese a lot. And I decided to do the program at uh, UVM, the Cheesemaker Certifi Certification Program at VIAC. Right, that two-week program. The Vermont Institute of Artisan right. Cheese, mm -hmm. yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, how we pine away for that yeah, VIAC program. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's, um, so a, that, that's a great program. Yeah, so I kind of, and I did it not all at once, but I kind of spread it out over a couple of years, basically of taking a few classes at a time. Right and ended up being part of the last class. When I finished the program was basically when Viac was about to shut down. So I was part of the last class to take okay. classes there. So, um, and I did some, you know, I, you know, sought out uh, opportunities to make cheese with cheese makers, like at Woodcock Farm was one, uh, Hawthorne Valley as well, so. Did you work with solely with uh, sheep's milk when you were at Woodcock or were you doing no, some No, they were doing, then? I was there at sort of winter, spring, oh, so right. they were buying milk from Jersey Girl at that yeah. point, a cow's yeah. milk. I just yeah. love those folks. I love mm -hmm. Mark up there. Yeah, no, they're great. Wonderful yeah. cheeses. And that was I, a really great experience. Did Am I right in, does my memory serve me well saying that you, did you develop a new aging or a new cheese for them? Did you I work did. On a new well, project? they, while I was there, they allowed me to do my own cheese and I did a Finback wheel, oh, which was a right. washed rind that was washed with a cheese from Finback Brewery in Queens. Okay. So, so you were yeah. living in, in New York. That, in I was Brooklyn, living in Brooklyn at that point. And yeah. traveling mm -hmm. up there. Yeah. Yep. So that's what cheese does to you, doesn't yep. it? Yep. Mm -hmm. So basically, I mean, I was writing, you know, I was writing the blog. I was uh, writing for some publications as well. I was writing for like the edible publications a little bit. Did some writing for Culture, Modern Farmer, and some other, you know. So what was going on with your day job then while you're exploring cheese? Uh, at that point, yeah, I was in tech. So I was doing like right. web development. So, okay. When did yeah. the, like, was this always like a goal that you were working towards to be a professional cheese yes, yeah, person definitely. or food person. Yeah. So you were, you were always had that goal of transitioning yep. away mm -hmm. from Pretty regular much. life. Yeah. I mean, not right away, not from when I first started the blog, but I would say mm -hmm. like within a year or two, I really sort of, you know, got the bug and decided that I really, I wanted to make the leap, you know, and I just kind of spent, 
years sort of edging closer and closer to the cliff edge before I finally jumped off. So, you know. I really love uh, that because I feel like I identify you with a, a group of real up and coming folks in cheese that sort of came out of that New York area. I mean, I see you and Sam Frank mm -hmm. coming, mm -hmm. you know, into cheese about the same time and um, Vito Forte, mm -hmm. you know, yep. and, and so exciting for me that you're making cheese, Vito's making cheese, Sam is representing cheese. Mm -hmm. And um, the time must have just been right for people, for, for you each to like say, all right, we're making a commitment. Right. We're, we're, yeah. I'm totally changing my life. Mm -hmm. I think so. But yeah, for you, I mean, it really wasn't a stretch because you had this, you know, rural background here in upstate mm -hmm. New York. Yeah, I would say so. I mean... You know, I mean, I spent a long time away from this area, but it was something I always wanted to come back to eventually, yeah, you know. back to the roots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's and what drew you into cheese, too, your yep. roots. That's right. Yeah. So you say you, you caught the bug. What, yep. what was it that drew you in about making cheese? Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, I think there's just, there is something sort of fundamental and primal about, I mean, as you guys know, about making cheese, primal. just that experience like that yeah. of, you know, transforming milk into cheese, you know, and sort of be having your hands in it and that kind of, and in a way, I mean, I do think it kind of, you know, I was sort of on the design side in, when I was working in technology and there was sort of that similar mixture of creativity with like an extremely technical practice and it's mm. the same thing with cheese you know you're very i mean there's a lot of creativity and sort of alchemy to it but there's also just this it's a highly technical craft as well you know mm -hmm. it is so, it's the balance yeah. of the technical the science with mm -hmm. intuition with yeah. art and, mm -hmm. and it just makes you think about raw as a raw in raw milk as the raw ingredient is mm -hmm. so diverse. You can do so much with mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Create so many different products. Yep. And there are so many avenues for getting to your destination, the finished cheese. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just spent the day yesterday with uh, Brent Zimmerman from Lime Kiln Farm, mm -hmm. who is very much guided by his years of experience learning how to make cheese in Italy mm -hmm. with, you know, these elderly women right. of a village and is very much guided just by um yeah experience and intuition mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time talking about that sensory too so the sensory right. evaluation yeah. of it yeah. um the agricultural you know, connection with exactly the animals, um the people land. who are fortunate enough like you to have this in-depth technical mm -hmm. training um, can come can add you know that layer to mm -hmm. it and right. you know drive mm -hmm. forward that way yeah. and it's it's just pretty neat that um, there's a mix of both. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all yeah. about kind of yeah. finding that balance. So one day you decide, I'm going to quit my day job. Yes. Yeah. And you, it looked to me like you headed to the Northeast Kingdom. I did, yep. Right. So one day I finally decided, like, you know, I was ready like to make pilgrimage. the jump. Yeah, <laughs> I just, you know, like, it, basically I decided, like, I, I either need to try to do it now or, you know, you know, if I don't try now, I'll always regret it, so... You know, I got in touch with people I knew at Jasper Hill, um, actually taking classes with at Viac was how I knew them. So, um, and applied for an internship there. So, so when you landed there, were you, what, what, what were your, your roles as an intern? Uh, originally, so first I started out in, uh, primarily in the caves. So I was working in the vaults at Jasper Hill. Um, so that was, you know, basically on the affinage side. 
Uh, I think I was doing one day a week at the creamery at that point. Were you like eight hours down in the caves, washing, turning, brushing? Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. And then it sounds romantic, but it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah. yeah, No sunlight. Nope. No sunlight. It's (laughs) cold. You know, it's cold. (laughs) Your hands are cold. Mm -hmm. I mean, but they have, I mean, working there is just, you know, a a unique opportunity because they sort of are doing everything at the highest level, you know. That's great. Yeah, moving really grounds, the gold standard. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, and one day in the creamery, and then the next thing I know, you're making sort of cheese. Spl- yeah, there. I was yeah. like splitting time between, between the cave and the creamery. And basically, there was an opportunity to come on full time. And they, I basically at that point had to make a choice between either working in the caves or working in the creamery. And I decided that, you know, that the creamery was really where I wanted to be. You right. Know? So. That's um, great. Yeah. Um, how and did you do that for a year or longer? Yeah, I was there for okay. basically a year. So did yeah. you? Even and just I would have. Make- I think I would have stayed there longer, but this opportunity came up, and it was just such a unique opportunity in terms of uh, the role, and also that it was located like exactly where I wanted to return to geographically. Mm-hmm. You this know, being so it was kind of Churchtown Farm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Church Churchtown Town Farm. Yeah, yeah. Churchtown Dairy. Can and, you tell us a little bit about this farm? and the the role that you've been able to inhabit here like mm-hmm. tell us about yeah about new, the property this new place right yeah so it's part of uh, churchtown dairy is part of the uh, foundation for agricultural integrity which is owned by abby rockefeller and is basically so there's churchtown dairy there's uh stonehouse grains which uh where they grow grains basically for sale organic grains for sale to other farmers so and then uh there's also um of the Hudson Carbon Institute, which is basically, cool. yeah. So they actually, they're doing research into basically uh, reca- carbon recapture in the soil through, uh, you know, better grazing methods and all that. So they're, they actually have like a program of helping other farmers with their, you know, with their grazing methods and analyzing the soil to see how much carbon is stored in it. Is Churchtown sort of a test farm for that as well, or is this it independent? Is, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so the it, this carries a lot of roles. Yes. This, yeah. This yep. farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's kind of. I mean, they they don't want to call themselves a model farm because they understand that, or we don't want to call ourselves that because we understand that like this is not to recommend everyone that they build a farm like this. You know, right. it's obviously on a very different scale, but you know. It's intended more as a, they call it like a beacon and a testing ground for methods of sustainability and, uh, you know, alternative agriculture. So, and, you know, oh, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no. I was going to ask about the, the biodynamic mm-hmm. aspect of this farm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yep, so it's biodynamic. Um, I don't know how much you know about biodynamics. Well, but, I, um, I've read a little bit, yeah, and mm. I know about a lot of those, the ritual um, yep. amendments mm. and things like that. But I, I, for example, one time we visited Seven Stars Farm mm-hmm. in Sue's neighborhood down in Kimberton in Pennsylvania, and uh, I was on a farm tour there, and I asked one of the farmers, I was like, so tell us more about how biodynamic fits into this, because there's... Um, there's just a there's a lot behind it behind besides the agriculture and he was very cagey and like didn't really want to go into it mm-hmm. and I I'm just, I'm just curious about it from someone who is working on a mm-hmm. on a, a farm and, and a facility that practices right I mean for me it seems like I mean it is fundamentally organic agriculture mm-hmm. 
plus there's it's sort of there are additional requirements mm -hmm. sort of you know in terms of like uh you know crop rotation and animal treatment and you know what you can feed them you know i mean you can be an, an organic farm and you know buy in all your feed whereas right. if you're a biodynamic farm there's that additional requirement that the feed should come from the farm itself that you know a minimum of 80 percent and even the, the amendments should come yeah. from the farm right. itself and the amendments well. should come from the farm it's having that yeah. sort of regenerative yeah um, closed yeah. system that's really the, the, the core goal is to have kind of a core a you know a closed you know, system and a, a farm in which you know it, that is completely self-sustaining you know do they farm or, here in the sign in the sign do you know that term in the sign of the moon through the phases of the moon do they do you know about that they do or? yeah all I mean, right i'm that doesn't really carry over to my cheese making so it's i'm not, not as familiar cheese, just yeah. made biodynamic milk it is, I mean, it is labeled biodynamic, right. but it's, yeah. I don't want to sound like totally woo-woo <laughs> when I talk about farming yeah. the sign, but I do think that there are principles to that um, that actually like old-timer, old-time mm -hmm. conventional farmers really paid attention to the sign of the moon with their mm -hmm. harvest, their right. um, yeah. planting. In fact, we, we knew this old guy down the road, and if he was planting for somebody, he was like, well, we're out of the sign. He's mm. like, I'll run down and plant that guy's stuff. Right. He's like, I'm going to plant my stuff in the sign. Mm. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Let, let's get back to you. Uh, but yeah, there is, because there is also a medicinal garden here as part of the oh. farm. Oh, so, great. Yeah. And there, the Jean David, who's the uh, head gardener here, he definitely very closely follows like the lunar cycles and everything right. in terms of his planting schedule and everything. There we so. go. In my herbal training, I know like they, they would talk about like certain times to plant or yeah. very, very loosely, like not as involved as biodynamics, right. but based on gravity and moisture right. and things like that. And the, when the plants want to grow up and mm -hmm. down and stuff like that. The cheese making facility here is just stunning it's beautiful it's a wonderful little efficient facility and um when we Very walked cozy, in but, yeah know. i like that you say it's cozy we know how to work in cozy don't we, <laughs> we, don't we? <laughs> but the first thing steph and i said well tell us about the floor yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like yes tell I us know. about the floor. every cheesemaker who walks in here immediately comments on the floor one track mind yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah. how much input did you have in the styles like what in the style styles of cheese, of cheese. yeah uh, quite a bit actually oh I mean, good you really, could drive I, that conversation yeah, i had a lot of pretty much a free hand in terms of developing the cheeses here so that's great there is uh like um there is a desire here for a parmesan style cheese mm -hmm. so that's in the works a long-term project perhaps. that's definitely a long-term <laughs> project so yeah but, i think and that's a very challenging style of cheese to do you know yeah. but i mean i think we are going to do some r d in that area yeah um, there's a reason but, not a lot of them are made in the u.s no yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. Well, and for as you know as a established of a product line as you have so far mm -hmm. um the space is so yeah. Not even a full year that Not you've been producing yeah. in here, like eight months or something like yep. that. Mm -hmm. And you've already got four varieties of cheese mm -hmm. and, yep. you know, raw milk in a farm store and, mm -hmm. you know, really, really beautiful space and a beautiful yep. herd, too. We got to tour the round barn, barn beautiful post and beam and uh, walk out and look down onto the, the cows, which are... Um, a mix of Jer Jersey and uh, primarily and mostly brown Swiss brown with a few Jerseys and other breeds and a couple Guernseys thrown in. I think one Normandy, They're one beautiful. token Normandy. Um, it was really nice to see the cows, you know, um, 
acting as a herd, like resting as a herd, ruminating, a couple are eating from the hay feeders. I mean, just really healthy, peaceful. In fact, Steph commented, I'd love to sit here with a book and just sit with them mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. read. Well, so really content yeah, think, animals. Yeah, the round barn is sort of in line with the principles of biodynamics because mm. the cows do are allowed to sort of, you know, live in the in, live in the space at their own pace and you know move freely and you know well and the babies like i don't get a lot of cow time mm-hmm. unlike you guys so right. i was like all over the little babies for all over. Over. It's, <laughs> yeah it's pretty, it's pretty neat that you know we're at this beautiful farm on a sunny february day with snow on the ground it's so bright and beautiful and um the the visual representation of the farm is very much aligned with you know, biodynamic principles. Like there, we're in a round barn. There are um, beautiful stone and brick arches everywhere. We were in the cave, which is beautifully arched and vaulted. And um, it's it's pretty neat when the um, sort of design and aesthetic quality of a, of a place can represent also the guiding principles. The, right. The philosophy. Yeah. It's beautiful. And that is like uh, one of Abby, Abby Rockefeller's uh, core principles for this farm actually is sort of to build everything with beauty in mind and not not just sort of aesthetic beauty but also in terms of like you know beauty and how the animals are treated and the humans are treated the functional beauty of harmony yeah yeah Yeah, beauty and harmony that's great everything that we do you know all of this is so important because it gets to the core of how the milk is produced the production mm-hmm. of the milk you know and at which matt has the opportunity to, to use his hand to create these gorgeous cheeses and um you know it's really great that the animals are right there the milk gets transported put into the vat albeit with cans right now we were having a discussion mm-hmm. for those cheese makers out there <laughs> handling milk cans you have um, some th- sympathetic here ears here at collective creamery yep. and <laughs> for consumers <laughs> handling milk cans is like a lifting a what like a 100 pounds, pounds basically 100 pounds uh, weight yeah. several mm-hmm. times a day every yeah. time you want to and then cheese. pouring it into the vat and pouring yeah. it into the vat mm-hmm. with a uh, less finesse than would be right. ideal mm-hmm. yeah. if you and trying nice not to splash or <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we're talking. Mm-hmm. We're talking about um, you know we're part of the foundation for agricultural integrity and something that um, we as cheesemakers and cheese writers talk a lot about is what is cheesemaking integrity? What does mm-hmm. that mean? Um, That's something we've been talking about a lot this weekend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you know fundamentally, it's you know. I mean, one you know, you often hear people say that like. If you have good milk, your main job as a cheesemaker is not to screw it up. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Stay so, out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I know that's I the definitely... beauty of the process, but sometimes yeah. it's <laughs> we get we get um, ambitious in, you know, styles or mm-hmm. whatever. We can get in our own way a little bit. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah. I really love these cheeses that you've picked to start with because I think that is a really great way to express the milk here mm-hmm. at Churchtown. Yep. Mm-hmm. We should taste some of it. Let's. Yeah, would you like to taste some? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so are, should we start with this beautiful? Probably start fresh... with the fresh cheese would be the place to start. Yep. So is this a, a lactic? Yep, this uh, is our lactic um, spreadable uh, kind of simple farmer style cheese. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, it's um, you know in terms of how it's produced, it's you know similar to a chev, you know, a lactic cheese, but made with cow's milk. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a little fromage blanc. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which really, and this was, yeah, we really, I mean, the reason we started with this cheese was because 
when we first started, we didn't have aging space. Sure. So we could only produce cheeses that were fresh, mm -hmm. you know, that could be stored, basically go straight from, you know, the vat to the cooler within a few days. So we started with the fresh cheese and the feta. So. Mm -hmm. Any challenges with um, your customers coming in and saying, hey, I understand this cheese. I understand this little fromage blanc, the fresh cheese, or did they take to it right away? Um, well, I mean, yeah, people definitely with this cheese, you know. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's really good. They either assume that it's a, a cream cheese, basically, right. you know, or they just, they're not quite sure what fresh cheese means or what, mm -hmm. you know, farmer's mm -hmm. cheese means. So there's a little bit of education there. But, right. You just have to help But help generally, along. once they taste it, they, it seems like people enjoy it. So Very yeah. milky, so very good. mild. Yeah. yeah. It's really nice with this wine. It's the cozy. perfect balance of tart and sweet. Oh. Yeah, we're sipping wine from our... Uh, Jura Sans Sec. Mm -hmm. It's from uh, the Ardennes. Yeah, and it's really uh, nice. we we made a visit to the Hudson Wine Merchants and we fell in love with the store. Is that the name of the shop? Hudson Wine Merchants. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We wish we had the ten percent off mm -hmm. bag. Well, <laughs> we're obviously going to hit it before we head back right. to Pennsylvania. So. We have to. Right. But yeah, this is beautiful. Yeah. Mm, that's really, it's really good. We'll it. actually be doing a tasting there on Friday. That's Are you? Oh, so you're so. you're you made friends there, mm -hmm. of course. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they I'm gonna yeah. confess, they spoke very highly of all Churchtown dairy products. Oh, the, we okay, said great. we're going yeah. we're coming to visit you, so mm -hmm. that's great. Mm -hmm. It's good to have oh, friends like that. I love it. It's what, like um, fresh and clean. What's the what's the uh, starter culture that you use for this one? Uh, for this one, it's just Flora Danica. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. use that too. Mm -hmm. yep. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, sort of that bright citrusy uh, yeah. profile. Yep. Beautiful. That's mm -hmm. great. All right, tell us about Peggy. Oh my goodness. Uh, Peggy is our soft ripened bloomy rind cheese. Um, it's named after Peggy Rockefeller, who's the mother of Abby Rockefeller. And she's the one who originally purchased all of the land in the 70s that eventually became uh, Churchtown Dairy and uh, some of the other farms in the Foundation for Agricultural Integrity. That's great. Yep. It's beautiful. The, oh, it's the, the eyes, aged. I love the eyes, eyes are winking at me. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. the rind is look so thin and delicate. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. I'm gonna pass it around with my hands. So yeah, talk, one of the things I'm. I mean, this Thank cheese you. has been a challenge in terms of kind of getting the the paste to what I wanted it to be, and the rind in particular. Ooh. You know, I really wanted to try to avoid Ooh, yeah. a rind that was too thick or right. papery. That's know. a challenge. So that's a real these, challenge with this style of cheese. Yeah, this is a nice camembert style. Yeah. Very mushroomy. When did you start? I know you landed here in April of 2017, and you did not start production until the summer. Is that right? Until, well, we started sort of R&D. Well, yeah, basically until July was when we actually were licensed you right. know, and inspected. So Matt's so. had six months here mm -hmm. in production, and mm. I think it's beautiful. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just well. pillowy soft, mm. like you could give it a gentle squeeze. It's got mm. that elasticity, which yeah. is so nice. Yeah. It's supple and... And it's like, it's really friendly and mild and buttery without being mm -hmm. boring, mm -hmm. which is my main criticism of, you know, brie style cheeses made in the okay. Right. They're, yeah. often, they're often not as lively as you want them yeah. to be. This yeah. is, and this honestly, like this, I would like to bump mm -hmm. up the flavor profile a little more on this. You know, I mean, like one of my favorite cheeses is Tunworth. Oh, Tunworth. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. So good. So it's, it's good, yeah. Just, so I'd love to get pillowy, closer to that. Right. You know? Satin yeah. satin pillowcase kind of mm. vibe going on. I love when, it. When was mm. the uh, when was the cheese made, this this particular wheel? Oh, when was this? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I wonder what the maturity is. was um, 12-12, so December 12th, so oh, it's about six weeks. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think this wine was a good one to bring for the parents. Yeah, this works out really nice. It's pretty versatile. Is it a little bit bigger than eight ounces? It looks like it might have some more uh, Um, volume. Yeah, so they're all roughly about 12 ounces. This one's Mm. probably slightly larger. Oh, okay. um, You know, I mean, yeah, one of the, I mean, as you guys know, one of the challenges in cheese making is consistency. And like, you know. It's the name of the game. Yep. And we're using, uh, we're still using individual molds on this cheese. So getting them all sort of a consistent, you know, yeah. format is challenging. Sure, but Steph, you use individual molds too with your, I do. Your, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Style yep. It's a lot of flipping. Yes, it's a lot of flipping. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Our glamorous so, lives. Yeah. So I am. For what does individual molds mean? Oh, sure. Okay. So yeah. uh, we're referring to um, individual format cheeses or cheeses that might be smaller in size. I don't know how they're defined. Maybe what, sixteen ounces or less. Um, but essentially, they're they're smaller wheels um, that kind of bloom or ripen on their own and are really beautiful, but also need a lot more handling. Right, and these aren't made with a block mold. So to be efficient, right. you would have these block molds where you could do- Where it's like 20 oh, cheeses together, per like mold. Yep. So right. you're flipping 20 at a time, whereas so these oh, wow. flipping Individual. one at a time. That would be efficient, wouldn't it? Right, and, and with, <laughs> yeah. so they're like stable enough to. To yeah. flip and and with the block molds, you can really you can dump all the curds in onto the table right. and shush it around and shush it around. And get it. <laughs> That's technical. technical yeah. Technical cheese talk. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. another reason why your your beautiful bloomy rind, you know, Valence hair Brie style mm-hmm. is worth what you're paying for it. If you're getting it from you know a high quality, yeah, maybe a small producer. A lot of TLC yeah. goes yeah. into it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very intensive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Right now, I do about maximum batch is about 100 wheels per batch you know right just right. because the size of my table and the number of molds anything larger than that is it starts to get challenging yeah to, and it's a one-man yeah. show here for yeah. cheese making really yeah. isn't mm-hmm. it it's like do you like, have help in the creamery i currently do not have okay. help. yeah i'm just doing, yeah. we are so going to be hustling. hiring someone mm-hmm. but i am hustling right now how, how does the cheese change through the seasons well i definitely found that in with the winter milk it definitely it, it was a lot drier and firmer so i just i had to um switch to molding the cheeses at a higher moisture and mm-hmm. really doing everything i could to sort of keep the moisture in the cheese you know right. so it becomes this battle to like keep it as moist as, as possible i so. remember sitting sitting in some um soft ripened lecture by mm-hmm. i think it was someone from from Ajax, um at acs and mm-hmm. the, on the on the screen was a powerpoint that just said time is moisture loss mm-hmm. yep. and that just haunts me every time i'm hooping curd because it's like hustle get this going yep. because we're losing precious moisture which is so valuable to the way that this cheese develops. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 There it is. There it is. There it is. These you know, are like, the things that keep yeah. you up at night. In the, in the summer, I would uh, you know dry the cheese out for much longer mm. in the creamery before I would move it to the caves. You but dry then, everything in the creamery. Do you, you don't have a drying room. We don't have a drying room, no, unfortunately. Right. Hope maybe in the future. But um, right. for now, it's basically dry. I mean, we have you know pretty good temperature control in the, in the creamery. So yeah. we can, and with that and fans, we can create a decent I mean, it's so essential that this rind, when it goes into the aging room, that the rind be dry. Yeah. So that you yeah. get that thin, delicate yeah. rind starting mm. to grow. And I think that's the big. To me, it's one of the biggest challenges, yeah. like getting and dry going into the age. Right, yeah. you don't have yeah. that yeah. in between. Yeah. So, Absolutely. hey, hats off to you. This one is like, yeah. beautiful. So it's it an was, example. It was too dry that when I was doing that, and then I so I started moving it to the cave much earlier. Okay. And then it was getting much, you know, it was just not basically not drying off enough. So it's just kind of this constant balancing game. 
You were, talk- yeah. you were talking about, um, mm. and this is the last question that I have about this mm. cheese because mm. the, the bloomy rinds are near and dear to my heart. Mm. Um, but you were talking about um, not wanting too thick of a rind on this cheese. Um, so h- how do you maneuver that? Is that about timing in terms of as soon as it's bloomed, you're getting it wrapped? It's definitely about timing yeah. in terms of when you wrap it, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. I find like sometimes I'll be lazy and I'll go, I'll look at it on a Friday afternoon and be like, I should probably wrap it, but then I won't wrap it until Monday. And then just mm-hmm. a couple days of extra growth, it's just a completely different yeah. you know, game, you know, then you end up with a much thicker rind, yeah. you know, so it's about wrapping. Timing is definitely crucial. Um, yeah. Getting, I mean, one of the things I definitely learned at Jasper Hill was sort of dialing back on your culture usage. You know, they really kind of try to use like the minimum amount of cultures needed to get the results you want, mm-hmm. you know. So I definitely sort of, you know, add a lot fewer rind culture in terms of the amounts I'm adding. It's, mm-hmm. it's much lower right. than I would have done previously, you know. How many gallons um, in a batch when you're making this cheese? Uh, this is about how many pounds or, or how many gallons yeah. of milk or pounds of milk are you working with at a time? Uh, so this would be about uh, 60 gallons, about basically. 60 gallons. That's yeah. a lot of soft. That's a lot of cheese. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. You know, that's kind and of the highest. Yeah. I really love that you're speaking freely about the challenges of this because mm-hmm. as cheesemakers, you know, anybody who thinks everything's going to go smoothly all the time is mm-hmm. telling a tale. Right. And yeah. this is the reality of what we're doing. We're, we're working with a living a living product and you know it's trying to harness that energy mm-hmm. the mar- microbes and drive yeah. it in the direction so that we can create a cheese just like yeah. this you get everything dialed in perfectly and then some like <laughs> undesirable mold starts showing up on your cheese or, just you when know. you think you have it down exactly yeah. this is yeah. real life yeah. mm-hmm. this is real life i um i have a really uh, lovely farming community in berks county surrounding me um and i have a lot of friends who grow veggies and I think a lot of them um, maybe don't take cheese making as seriously because they think, well, you have control over what you're doing. Or they don't realize the weather actually has a lot Um, to do with it. Exactly. But but really, um, you know, we're we're microbe farmers and we don't have as much control as we'd Mm -hmm. like to think that we do. So it's interesting to try to find that balance. The macro and the micro Mm -hmm. uh, forces. Yeah. Right. And guess what? Many of the veg farmers have the winters off. I mean, I know they're planning (laughs) and everything, but... Well, I love you guys, it's but you're right. They're microbe farmers too. They That's are. Right. Yes, true. it's so true. I mean, we're all connected oh, yeah. in they that way, the and it's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah, really all right, true. tell us about the tone oh, with the beautiful, beautiful tone. rind. Oh, it has so much character yeah. to it. <laughs> yep, this is our uh, first cave-aged uh, hard cheese or semi-hard cheese. Um, it's got, uh, you know, really, that's, I mean, this, I think I'm trying to go for kind of that when I was talking about like the more, the funkier albums, I'm going, trying to go for a little mm. bit of that flavor, like right. more of the oniony notes and mm. you know, oh, the meaty notes, so. Yeah, let's dig in. We are going to finish all this cheese before oh, we leave, yeah. by the way. I like wow. the balance of salt in it because the salt just like accentuates flavor. And I think sometimes it's really hard to manage salt. You know, yeah, yes. you know, yeah. salt, yeah. and you know, we're weighing. Are you brining brining this? These are dry. Not, these are dry salt. They're dry salted. We're so. gonna we're gonna get a brine tank. We don't have it yet. Right. So for now, we're dry. Well, when, especially yeah. dry salting. That's a whole another thing. Yeah, you know, weighing mm. it out and trying mm. to get the equal mm. balance. It's really challenging. Waiting for it to get through the cheese, but. Uh, 
Your I, salt has been like right on. on. Yeah, yeah cool. for Thanks. all these cheeses, yeah. they're beautiful. It's definitely for the tome, especially. It's been a challenge because you know some batches have been undersalted. I guess so, I haven't had many that have under oversalted, but undersalted has definitely been an issue on some. Right. So is this cheese? Does it have a name, or is it just right now? It's the tome, so we're working on names. We're coming up with a naming system for our cheese. Okay. So all right. Um, Nice. But yes, it naming really cheeses works. has been. Wow, I think you should be proud of this in wow. seven months. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Cool, thank yeah. you. I nice love it. I love it. I just want to have, you know, some cornichons with this. Mm. And could what I else? have another uh, wedge a little of the lardo of the Peggy? Yeah, yeah, Peggy. This is so good. Yeah. We've been eating these like wonderfully like smooth and creamy, hard, you know, not hard, but aged cheeses on this trip. I wonder. You know, what this, what this Hudson Valley terroir contributes to the style. It's oh, just interesting. So, well, so pleasing. I love mm -hmm. that the B. Linens are on here, and I'm thinking, how far are we from the Hudson River? Is that if um, influencing this at all? Or do you think it's just be. like yeah. the bricks? Mm -hmm. Is it the minerality? Is that what you think? What are the soil mm -hmm. types here? Thank I want to know it all. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's great. Really I mean, it's not that far away. The Hudson is certainly, yeah. the winds from the Hudson are blowing over here for sure. All so, the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. I often think one time I visited the cowgirls and I was out there at Point Reyes where they make the Red Hawk and they had just opened the Petaluma plant and um, Sue Conley was saying that they were really challenged. They, they couldn't make that Red Hawk over there because they were that much further from from the water, from the, that yeah, the so source and the bee linens were so prevalent there in Point Reyes and you know, we can never underestimate, you know, the sense of place or the taste of place. So I love that there's, oh, it's this just is so, so happy. exciting. I'm yeah. so happy eating this cheese. Yeah. This is great. Beautiful, I sweet of cheese. Right. Beautiful. I think a really, another really interesting facet here is that, okay, you're, you're creating these cheeses, but Matt is also sharing that cheesemaking facility with another accomplished oh. cheesemaker. So there's this dynamic of two different cheesemakers in the same facility creating cheese. And, um, you know, it's really great. Colin McGrath is here making cheese for McGrath Cheese. You're supporting his next step with, on his journey in cheese. And, um, you know, I often think if I have to share a facility with another cheesemaker, they're that's an interesting dynamic. It is, yeah. You know, yeah. and, and it's like, it seems really successful. Mm -hmm. I follow everything both of you do on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I have so much respect for his cheese making. You know, tell us about how that came to be. Um, yeah, so he had originally started out consulting for Churchtown Dairy, but he was he already had McGrath Cheese as his own company while he was a cheesemaker at Sprout and Creek Farm. And let's say Colin had been the lead cheesemaker at Sprout Creek, if you're familiar yeah, with any yeah, Sprout for, Creek cheeses. Like basically a decade, or almost a decade, he was there. Yep. Mm -hmm. So he was making McGrath Cheese within the Sprout Creek facility while working as the head cheesemaker there as well. Wow. So. Do you like and compare notes he, with each other, like in the? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, taste yeah. this. What do you mm -hmm. think? Oh, definitely. Oh, Every day. Yeah. yeah. You know, no, yeah. we're so kind of a pretty good palate. Cool. You have like a yep. coworker. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he's a gr he's a great person to bounce uh, you know cheese off of ideas off of because how how important that is that to you because Steph and I we really kind of came together originally to support each other technically and with 
with whatever it is and cheese. Emotionally. Emotionally. <laughs> um, you know, and it's really a challenge, A, when you're getting started, even though you have this background, um, to have any kind of support system or technical questions like, what are you thinking about changing the cultures or the milk or whatever? So you're both on that journey here. We are, yeah. And it's almost as important to have someone who sort of understands the challenges of cheese making, you know, you can kind of... Or even just to commiserate in the beauty of it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, that's so important to know that you're not alone in the struggle. Mm Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It really is. It is. So um, what are we have? I'm just curious. So what has come easy to you here at Churchtown? I mean, I know nothing's easy, but if you were to say, hey, this is what really lined up here in starting to to develop this line of cheeses. Is there something that really stands out to you? Was it the milk? Was it the location? What was it? Um, I mean, definitely the milk having, uh, you know, we do have high quality milk here. It's great to work with this milk, you know, it's pretty, it's clean, high quality milk. So that's been, you know, a pleasure to work with. Matt was telling mm-hmm. us he has a really good relationship with the herd manager mm-hmm. here. And I yeah. think that is so important um, when you move forward mm-hmm. in a cheese making operation yeah. to know, the, you know, how the milk is coming in, where they are in the lactation, mm-hmm. what they're eating. So that's great. And I think, yeah, I have been... I feel lucky that sort of the Peggy has developed the the Bloomy Rhine cheese has developed the way it has. You know, I feel like it it could have taken a lot longer to kind of get it to where I wanted it to be. So I did feel you lucky make any that... soft ripened cheeses at Jasper Hill? I did. Yeah, okay. I was working on them at, at Jasper Hill. Were you so. working on Moses Sleeper? Per se? I was working on Moses Sleeper uh, and Harbison. Harbison. Oh, and that's great. Bailey Hayes and Blue was another cheese I worked right. on there. So, oh, yeah. so maybe there's going to be a Blue here in the Hudson Valley. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right, that's yeah. something to look forward to. Another reason to come back and visit. Yes. All right. That was the easy question. Mm-hmm. What we really want to know is what keeps you up at night? Um, probably food safety is the number one issue uh, that keeps me up. That's a good at answer. Night. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know really how to comply that. or. I mean, yeah. yeah. And how, really how to operate safely. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I think I sort of came. I think we all kind of came into the cheese world at the same time as these issues were kind of coming to the fore, you know. And working at Jasper Hill definitely, you know, was it was a great experience because it, it's really food safety boot camp there, you know, and that's sort of their, you know, uh, emphasize that over everything. So I definitely appreciate um, the fact that they're bringing a lot of information back to cheesemakers, mm-hmm. but also their ability to um, push back a little bit. Yes. You yeah, know, yeah. Mateo is mm-hmm. really good at saying because they have the science on their side, mm-hmm. because they've been doing the research, because they have the experience, they're really great advocates for each and every one of us. And mm-hmm. honest to God, I, I always say thank you for doing that because on our own, we can't do it. We all right. need to be together. Yep. to come together mm-hmm. as one, to support each other yeah. as we move forward. And I don't think this is going to go away, and it's no, important to all no. of us. Yeah. So is it safe to say in R&D, is this long-age Parmigiano-style cheese, a little bit of blue, is that coming in the next year? Is it in three-year plan? What do you think? Um, probably, yeah, I would say, in the one-to-two-year one, one to two year plan. Yeah, say. I mean, yeah. it's mm-hmm. a lot to manage it when is, you're yeah. a one-man show. Yeah. And one thing right. I do want to, I mean... You know, I think there's a temptation to try to just, you you know, you want to make as many styles as you can. You want to try a little bit of everything, but it's also, like, important to, like, 
you know, focus on a few styles, I think, and do them well. And just know. get them under the belt yeah. because yeah. really, we, you, it takes a while to learn the cheese seasonally. Yeah. Year yeah. in and year out right. in a new location. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't even been making these cheeses for a year, so I, I can't even, you know, what will say, spring be like? right, what will <laughs> right. spring be like, what will next summer be like? It's, just, you know, who knows, you know, like there's a lot to learn seasonally. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, will we see more from cheese notes and blogging? Will you be blogging about your cheese making here? What do you think yeah. about that? Are you going to retire that for a little bit? Uh, you know, I have, you know, I've, I feel guilty because I definitely have let cheese notes, the blog kind of fall by the wayside. I haven't been writing there as much Were as I busy? used to. Was it real life? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what what started <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, I, I would like to like come back to it and write, start writing there again from the perspective of cheese making rather yeah. than, you know. Oh, that would be really Fantastic. Such an interesting archive of right. you know one one artist's progression mm -hmm. yeah. that presents. Yeah. All right. Here's something I want to know. What are some of your favorite Instagram accounts about cheese? <laughs> okay, we'll about we'll, cheese. We'll, we'll narrow it down to that. You don't even have to talk about cheese. It could be a brewer. No. Oh uh, wow. Okay. Uh, favorite cheese accounts. Um, I mean, Madame Fromage is a great one. I think you guys know her. Oh, isn't that yeah. fun? How about this American Cheese Project? We're going to take a wedge back for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm glad that you follow her. Mm -hmm. yep. That's cool. Yep. Uh, do you, you guys know about the Adopt an Alp program? So, no. That's, that's where mongers are paired with, uh, basically with farmers in the Alps. And so they basically commit to carry a cheese of theirs. Cool. So, oh, Adopt an Alp. Who started yeah. that? I believe that's Carolyn Carolyn Hostetter. Yeah. She's presenting at the American Cheese Society Conference okay. in yeah. Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. which I want everybody to come to. We'll <laughs> yes, we'll definitely be there. Yep. Oh, All right. Adopt a, you know, Adopt. Southeast Pennsylvania. Right. <laughs> 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 cheese maker. <laughs> All right, that's two. Might roll off the tongue of All right, you got to pull out one more for us, Matt. Coming in 2019. <laughs> yep. Steph's writing it down. Adopt an album <laughs> so we don't forget. Hmm. Uh, well, you guys should definitely follow Crown Finish Caves. I mean, that's oh, a great one. how yeah. could you not? Mm, it's so yeah. dreamy. Mm -hmm. So good. There, there are some real good ones. And so if you're out there listening, cheese. yeah, mm -hmm. the cheeses. What I love is that they're taking and doing this different affinage. You know, mm -hmm. playing around with yeah. different washes mm -hmm. and whatnot. Uh, the conditions of that cave are pretty awesome with mm -hmm. that closure system in place. Yeah, yep. It's good. What can happen in Brooklyn? It's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. It's mm -hmm. old uh, beer lagering cellars. Right, yeah. yeah. Only good energy. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and good microbes. Well, mm -hmm. cheers. Yeah, cheers. Thank cheers. you so much. Yeah. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Collective Creamery is Stephanie Angstadt, Sue Miller, and Alex Jones. Jordan Heil produced the podcast, and Mike Lorenz wrote our music. You can hear him on Thursday nights at the Tired Hands Brew Cafe in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can learn more and subscribe to our cheese subscription at collectivecreamery.com.